We're rolling. Timer starts now. Mark. Hi, I'm Ford. And I'm Sky. And these are not our real names. These are our superhero names, and with our powers combined, we formed the writing partnership L. Skyford. Welcome to Booklandia. Today, we're going to review a book, most likely a romance. But before we get much further, did you know you can watch our faces do this episode by subscribing to us on Twitch at L. Skyford or YouTube at L.Skyford? You should really do it. We give good face. And sometimes there's a dog bomb at Ford's house. This is true. For our other socials, you can follow us on Twitter at SkyfordL, on Instagram at L.Skyford. And if you're interested in our book, blog, or even more book reviews, head over to our website, lskyford.com. Lastly, this and every episode are chock full of oversharing and spoilers, and every episode is rated E for explicit. You have been warned. Hello. Hello. Can I just tell you that I noticed that in the opener, the closed captioning app that is trying to guess at what I'm saying guessed <laughs> uh, that there is dog vomit at Ford's house. <laughs> uh, there's only occasionally dog vomit, mostly usually in the backyard, thank goodness. Um, but that's fun. Dog vomit. <laughs> um, so, so, so there you go. Ooh. Hi, and how are you? Yeah. <laughs> Dog vomit. I'm good. How are you? I we both got haircuts. We both got haircuts. I love that. Uh, because unplanned. I know unplanned. We are so in sync. It's ridiculous at this point. So, for those of you who don't know, we will often text each other and say, "Hey." I'm having a really X kind of day. And the other person will text like, me too. I thought it was just me. We're so in sync that like having a lot of emotions, both at the same, on the same day, having, I don't know, a depression day, same day. We're, yeah, we've linked, we've synced up. We've synced up quite, quite significantly. (laughs) We're also wearing um, green shirts. (laughs) Uh, Yep. Olive green shirts. Yeah. Again, not planned. Not planned. So in case you're wondering what if what if, what it's like if one one soul lives in two bodies, but not in some sort of romantic way, just in a there wasn't enough for the both of us, so they just split it up. Here it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If you believe in the what is is it Aristotle who said people were conjoined and then they were split by the gods and they you know when they were conjoined they had four arms and four legs and then there's i think that might be us we just have like a it's not a soulmate kind of thing it's just a soul soul kind of thing it's a soul soul kind of thing yes yeah i feel like that covers our check-in really uh today we are and tangent and yes and an excellent segue into what we're (laughs) talking about today we're talking about aristotle and dante discovered the secrets of the universe by benjamin alir science oh my gosh (laughs) i'm already sorry O'Leary. It was Benjamin O'Leary Saints. Saints. There we go. I was like, wait, I've done it wrong. It is basically the worst for me to try and say his name. But (laughs) we we looked it up right before. So And then I probably put it away. (laughs) Tuck that into our back pockets of knowledge. Uh it's definitely one of those names. He has a name where I think I know how to say it, 
but I'm wrong. Yes, I absolutely agree. Okay, so yeah. this this book is before we get mm-hmm. into the the thirty second bit of it. A couple of things about this book. Uh, it is uh, currently in anticipation of its sequel, which is. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's not an anticipation. It's just come out. The yeah. sequel just came out yeah. after uh, almost 10 years between the two books. Uh, the first one came out uh, originally in uh, late February of 2012. Actually, on a really fun day. 022112. <laughs> Lots of O's and twos it. and twos and ones. Very numerically happy. Mm-hmm. It won... The Stonewall Book Award. Um, it won the Michael Prince Award, the uh, Pura Belpre Author Award. It is on a lot of LGBT YA lists. It's on a lot of YA lists. Mm-hmm. It is, I can see why. It is lovely in so many ways. Yeah. I'm going to gush a lot uh, because it it is just the most mm-hmm. wonderful. I feel like sometimes... I will read something that that got a lot of awards and I'm like, why? I don't understand. <laughs> this is not that yeah. case. This, this book's m- meaningful impact on me was equivalent to what I was expecting considering the number of mm. like silver and gold yeah. stamps the cover had. <laughs> when you pick the book up, it's like half the cover are these awards that it's won. And so like that, it has an impact. That's like judge a book by this cover because it's covered in metals. Yes. Uh, so that that's a little bit of backstory on the book itself. I uh, the cover I pulled for the episode actually I specifically pulled one without mm-hmm. all of the metals so that we can see this sure. really intricate detailed work uh that is in the sky so for those of you who can't see the image it is three quarters of the page is covered by a night sky and in it in elaborate script is aristotle and dante discover the secret of the universe written out surrounded by decorative etchings that are influenced by uh new mexico uh artists i assume uh, I'm going to say with uh, West Texas West, but oh, yeah. Yeah, or West Texas artist for sure. There's a lot of details that pertain to what's going to eventually be. Yeah. It's, it's got a lot of um, like the, the Mexican blanket ge- geometry in it. Like it feels sort of curtainy in that way. There's definitely a Calavera skull. Yeah. Different sort of symbology from the book, I think. Yes. And then the bottom quarter of the page is a uh, a grassy desert sky. So uh, wait, a grassy <laughs> desert, no sky in that sentence <laughs> with a 1957 Chevy in cherry red. Cherry red. A cherry red Chevy Ugh. pickup truck, which is the truck that his dad buys for Aristotle as his birthday present. And that truck yeah. is important to what's happening. It's a beautiful cover. If you get a chance, mm-hmm. go look it up, even if you're not yeah. watching us. Before I read this book, I'd seen the cover everywhere. And I thought for some reason, I think just based on the script, the um, the calligraphy of the script, I thought it was Middle Eastern. Well, yes. It has kind of a Middle Eastern it feel does. to it. Uh, it does have like an Arabian Nights style mm-hmm 
um, script. It's beautiful. It is. It is very pretty. Nothing to do with the book. <laughs> no, other than one of them writes in his journal, and I think it's supposed to be representative of the journal. Hmm, interesting. Lovely. Yeah. Um, so I picked this book up because I knew that you loved it and it's kind of quintessential and because the second book just came out. So I got it from the library, support to local libraries, and that's how it came across my plate. So I'm fresh. I'm fresh off of reading it. It's crisp in my mind. Okay. Well, I it's been a time soup's worth of time since I've read it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Somewhere between a month and a Pre-pandemic? year. Pre-pandemic? No, during <laughs> pandemic. I read it during the pandemic. Oh, okay. So that's why it's in time soup. It's somewhere in all of this mm. time that seems very familiar and similar. Um, so somewhere in the last 18 months, I read this book. I gushed over it a lot. And uh, mm-hmm. and now the, the second one is out. And I need to make room on my TBR for it to go way higher up on the on the reading list. Uh, for those of you who listen Absolutely. to books on audio, Lynn Manuel Miranda reads the audio of this book for both this one and, and the sequel. Yeah. So that's very exciting. I found his voice to be really accurately representative of what I thought mm. Ari should sound like. Well, I mean, isn't the aren't the characters from In the Heights like just kind? I guess they're a little bit older than this um, than this age group, but like not too far away. So like he knows. I think he knows the plight of a a boy journeying into being a man. I mean, I think because he is a boy who journeyed into being a man, he also can probably <laughs> Fine, relate. Okay, <laughs> that too. Uh, <laughs> sure. All right. I don't know. I'm just trying to promote more Lin Manuel Miranda product. Uh, firstly, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's got it covered, and secondly, <laughs> uh, continue. Please do continue. Great. <laughs> Would you like to read this? Yes. Thirty second descriptor of the book. Absolutely. Let's tell the peoples. Excellent. All right. In three, two, one. Dante Quintana and Aristotle Ari Mendoza meet at a public pool during the summer. They find instant connection with each other and begin to spend their time together. Through trials, both physical and emotional, the only thing constant is the two of them. Ultimately, nothing is as mysterious as a realization that love was right next to you all along. (laughs) So beautiful. Uh, I would also... Well uh, written. Well, thank you. I also realized that I did not mention that it is written first person and stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't want to get into the the bits and bobs of it because there's there are actually so yeah. many. These two young men who are 15 at the beginning of the book have a lot that happens to them over the course of mm-hmm. the year and a half or two years that we know them for. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, first, so it's first person, it's kind of stream of consciousness, kind of journaly from uh, Aristotle's point of view, and the next book is going to be, I believe, from Dante's point of view. I think I saw a little blurb of it. Oh, which could be really fun. Yes, I I I connected 
to Dante a lot. Ari was an unreliable mm. narrator for me. And so I trusted mm-hmm. Dante more, uh, mm-hmm. maybe because he was more aware of his feelings, maybe because mm-hmm. he had an easier time expressing his emotions that I trusted mm-hmm. him more whereas Ari was hiding so much of what he was feeling and running away for, from it that in every situation I kept wondering if this is just him reacting to emotions that he is bottling up. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective because I never saw Ari as avoiding things. I just always saw him as oblivious. Like he never drilled down into the thing. He was just like I feel it, I don't feel it, on, off, binary. And never really was like, why do I feel these things? He never cracked He never cracked into himself, really. So, which kind of brings me to my question, if you are prepared emotionally. Well, I was, sorry, I was leading to my... <laughs> oh, please, lead to your question then. It has to do with, with Ari's unknowableness uh, of the fact that Ari Mm, doesn't mm -hmm. really because I have to disagree with you in that it's not that he doesn't crack the shell of his emotions is that he's actively avoiding it Mm. and he right and and so he pushes it aside anytime that he needs to examine his feelings he just pushes that aside and moves on to the next thing that he needs to focus on that is external Uh, which which is where my question comes in so Ari jumps in front of Dante, pushing him out of the way of an oncoming car. And Ari gets hit by the car and is actually hurt really significantly in the, in that accident. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So my, my, my question in, in the script just says, did you scream? (laughs) Uh, Because I did, Mm. but my really, Oh yeah. I was like, no, this did not just happen. (laughs) (laughs) They were just getting somewhere. There yeah. were actually a lot of instances in this book where I screamed and they all had to do with Ari not r- confronting his feelings. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, and his mm-hmm. parents mention it way later in the book, the fact that he did not, he, right, the, the he does not hesitate. Ari doesn't hesitate when he yeah. thinks that Dante is going to be hit by the car. He He reacts from a place that is... Protective. And without his uh, like intellectual brain telling him to not show his care and emotion for Dante, he just mm-hmm. does it out of yeah. selfless love, uh, essentially. Yeah. And there are so many instances where, yeah. So, my, yeah, my question really was: was this very upsetting to you? Because <laughs> this was very upsetting to me. Even I. So I didn't scream because the way the book formulates it, because it's from Ari's point of view, he sees the truck coming and then the next and then the chapter ends and he wakes up in the hospital and we learned secondhand what happened. So we don't experience what Ari experiences. It's told to us. So I, I, I felt sort of removed from that situation, but spot on on the fact that he just does it instinctually and that he's just protecting Dante. It does make a good argument for you, for your thing about him avoiding his feelings because he sets a rule between him and Dante to never talk about it because he's tired of the apologizing. He's tired of the guilt. He's tired. He doesn't want to feel like a hero. So that is a good argument for him 
pushing away and processing, pushing away the processing. Well, yeah. And I think it also gets addressed in terms of how he is brought up and that his dad never addressed his mm-hmm. feelings about what happened to him in Vietnam. And his mom never addressed her feelings about his older brother uh, and, and, all, mm-hmm. and all of the... So they they all processed the the what happened, right? They all are at peace mm-hmm. with this event occurred. But none of them emotionally moved on and closed that chapter or have come to terms with that mm-hmm. chapter. And that comes up throughout the book and not until yeah. his dad truly starts processing his trauma and not until his mom starts processing her trauma can Ari really start opening up and understanding mm-hmm. that that processing is the way forward that you can just continue piling on emotional yeah things and then not dealing with them yeah um i was going to bring this up when we talk about the compelling moment but i want to give a huge shout out to the parents the, these care these parents that the author wrote about because he very clearly shows as you just described how ari is so much like his parents and he also shows how dante is like his parents and the like they try to model they they're i think pretty good parents they're they're there they support their children they love their children and they also realize that the mistakes they're making have affected their children and start making uh repairable steps and like that's incredible i think that is just so incredible to see in a ya novel hashtag parent goals Hashtag parent goals. Um, I also really quickly want to point out that this book is set in 19... It starts in 1985. So you're like, he went. the dad went to Vietnam. That was really a long time ago. So just so you know, I, I, I believe it's semi-autobiographical. Like there's definitely some elements from the author's experience and age, I think. I would agree. Great. Uh, so one thing though about the parents that I'm not sure about and I'm going to need your advice on is the end of the book, Aristotle's parents tell him he's in love with Dante. They out him to himself. And I was like, I was very confused by this moment. Like, firstly, why are the parents doing it? And why is it not something... Aristotle comes to terms with himself, realizes himself. Like it, it's a, it's a moment that I just don't comprehend. Can you help me? So I didn't, and this is this is all going to be I statements. Uh, I want to make that very excellent. Clear. Yes, um, I didn't take it as them outing Ari so much as telling him in not so many words that not only are they okay with whatever Ari's sexuality is, but also that they are supportive of this relationship. And it wasn't so much about informing him of his sexuality as it was being like, you are blind to this thing that is directly (laughs) in front of your face. And if you're not going to do anything about like, think about the, like the slap and moonstruck. It's like, you know, 
snap out of it. Yeah. You're really in love with this guy and you have been this whole time and we know it and mm. he knows it and you know it. But for some reason, you've put up walls around you and we're breaking down those walls in this family meeting mm. so that you can live to your greatest potential. I do think that there is mm. a little bit of oh, like overbearing helicopter parenting happening uh, to be like, pay attention to your feelings. But having said that, I think they, they do it from a place of love. And it's, I think meant to be from that, like snap out of it and go talk to the love of your teenagehood, because clearly that's what it's been this whole time. And, and so to me, it was as if they were giving him verbal permission to not Mm -hmm. hide from them and to not hide from himself by extension. Mm Yeah, we see you right. You know, differently than you see yourself. See see yourself how we see you. Because what we see is really great. And yeah. and you're yeah. keeping yourself down thinking that we're not okay with it, which is not true. Yeah. Right. Or yeah, we're not okay full stop, but we're going to be okay. Just as a family, right? Because everybody's working through some shit yes, in that family. But, but so. I think so. That moment to me was yeah. them saying your like your relationship, your adventures, your everything is something we want to be a part of, and we don't want to slow down. So go to the desert, mm-hmm. kiss a boy. <laughs> go to the desert and kiss a boy. This is fire festival all over again, right? No, this is much <laughs> lovelier because it actually oh. happened. Okay. Yeah, good point. Okay. <laughs> Great. So I want to get into some of the conversation. I think this, th- I'm going to assume this is going to lead us into some of the presumptions of masculinity that Ari struggles mm-hmm. with as he's becoming a young adult. And uh, I kept wondering, so Dante leaves because his parents moved to Chicago and Ari goes back to school and at school he starts hanging out with and then dating this girl named Ileana. And so they kiss at a party and then all of a sudden Ileana is gone. And then he finds out through his friends that she dropped out of school because she got married to a uh, gang-affiliated person, and she's pregnant. And I kept wondering yeah. what, from a thematic standpoint, what is the meaning of Ileana? Why is that story there? With right, I understand him dating an, another person. That makes a lot of sense. But why does it and then... a woman. And a woman. Sure, absolutely, yes. But I understand all of that. Why he's dating a woman, why he's dating someone who is in Dante. All of that made sense. Why did she exit like that, do you think? For me, I read it as a commentary, as a social commentary. Because the book brought up a few times... Actually, I think, in fact, there's a fairly major theme about the gang rate and the violence rate and the school-to-prison pipeline for Latinos in El Paso. I think this is the commentary the author was pointing out. And I I think that's just, it's social commentary on the men are, you're in a gang or you're in jail or whatever, uh, you're dead. And 
for the women, you get pregnant and drop out of high school. Like it's, it's the counterbalance of this great relationship that our Aristotle and Dante have is it's the counterbalance. It's what is in their future if like something happens and something almost happens in this book. Like Aristotle almost ends up walking down this path of destruction. Um, and, and that's what's at, that's one of the ends for, I think, Latina women. I don't know. That's my, that was my take on it. It was a cautionary tale. I, I mean, I see it that way. Also, I, I feel like the, yeah, that the point there was, it did seem a little bit binary. And I mean that in, in exactly the same way that you mean it, that there is the intellectual pathway of reading poetry and mm-hmm. listening to jazz and going to the <laughs> University of Chicago. And then there is the uh, joining a gang and getting someone married, uh, getting someone pregnant at 15. And there was sort of no middle there was you could either be one or the other and so to me liana was also partially the presentation of like if if ari doesn't deal with his feelings or doesn't fully flourish into who he can be this is his he could be the next one with a pregnant girlfriend in high school uh and and mm-hmm. instead you're rooting for him to lean into his feelings with dante but yeah. yeah, but I just, I, I just, I, I, it left me, oh, there's a lot of me just stuttering. It left me stuttering. It left me wondering <laughs> what, what is the comment specifically? Uh, I wonder if there sure. is a study guide for this. Uh, yeah. And it also makes me wonder if that, if Ileana's experience and story resonates more with a Latina readership. Because I have, I have a feeling. I don't. This isn't my experience, but I have a feeling that the intellectual route or the gang route has was kind of the only two options. I think for a lot of immigrants. Uh, but again, it's not my experience. I can't confirm it, but I can definitely. I feel like I've heard a lot of stories from parents, from Latina parents, being like, "Don't, don't you dare join a gang. Go to college." I can, I can see that. So my sort of question is like, I feel that throughout this book, Ari hates everything, (laughs) just hates everything all the time. And he avoids a lot of shit. You're right. He avoids a lot of things, talking about a lot of things, thinking about a lot of things, opening the folder that has his brother's name on and they never talk about his brother. And like, he avoids opening that thing for like, six months. It's insane. But I think he also holds up a lot of male toxicity in like, yeah, toxic maleness. Men don't cry. Men need to drive a vintage truck. Like it kind of irked me. And he's that way for 98% of the book. And then the last 2%, they're like, you're gay. And then it's over. (laughs) That's how I feel like this book went. I hate everything. You're gay. Goodbye. <laughs> well, I, I, so this, this goes back to me, uh, not trusting Ari as our no- narrator, because mm-hmm. I think, uh, something 
you maybe bring up later or or in a conversation possibly he is confused a lot of the time it is not mm-hmm. only stream of consciousness but it is a lot of unanswered questions and things that are just dropped and things yeah. that take time actual time there is some imagery that isn't ever explained there are a couple of other things that sort of just exist and they add to the confusion and that's great because it really makes you feel as confused and conflicted as he was yeah now having said that we're actually not the right demographic to be discussing any parts of this book because we have never been a 15 year old boy either one of us and so I assume that it is a confusing time. And the only comparison I have is to quote Sofia Coppola's Virgin Suicides when the girl goes, I guess you've never been a 13-year-old girl. (laughs) I mean, I've been a confused teenager. I definitely empathized with that. I also definitely empathized with him being like, I really want to write this in my journal, but I don't want to look like an asshole. So I'm not going to write it in my journal. Like I've been like, this would be the stupidest thing to write in my journal. What if somebody reads it? So like, I get all of that, like self-consciousness. Yeah. He's self-conscious a lot of the time. He, he, you're absolutely right. He does put a mirror to a lot of what is expected of him or what he thinks is expected of him, right? Because there is a lot of examination of what he presumes his parents expect of him. And the same is true for Dante. Despite Dante's really close relationship with his parents, Dante is afraid to come out to them because he's assumed, right? He's He is prescribed to his parents a particular point of view, which isn't real. His parents don't mm-hmm. care that he's gay. They don't have any strong feelings about it and any strong negative feelings about it but Dante doesn't come out to his parents for a long time because he's he's made assumptions about their comfort levels and about what they're expecting of their children and there are absolutely people out there who put expectations on their on on the people they're upbringing, on their offspring, on their children, on the people they're raising. That is absolutely real and it's absolutely true. And people feel that pressure. There's also a lot of societal imagery that leads all of us to believe that our parents expect a certain thing from us, right? Or our caretakers Mm -hmm. expect a certain thing from us. And that is one of the things that I think the book unpacks really well in a really subtle way. Uh, it's not over over the head. I didn't feel yeah. it, that it was in, in that Mm-mm. he thinks his parents think a certain way, but that is not the case. He thinks that yeah. his parents are paragons of strength and are these pillars, but they're not. And um, mm-hmm. I, I sort of, as a parent, I read that. I was like, this is the thing I tell my children all the time <laughs> that I am not a pillar. I am not an invincible being and I am wrong a lot of the time. And I would love for them to tell me that I'm wrong so that I can correct my ways. And that is not how parenting 
was happening for a lot of parents uh, in the sure. in the early and late eighties, right? In, in this country and other countries, and yeah, there's and there are so many layers. There's an ex- like there's what Ari thinks his dad would want him to be and what he thinks he owes to his Mexican heritage and what he thinks he owes to Dante and to the girls at school. And there's this, all of these layers, none of them are real. None of them are true. He does not Mm -hmm. owe anyone anything. And that's the discovery of this book. That's the process that he goes through. So Mm -hmm. yes, he was a confused teenager for the entire book, but Mm-hmm. he's a 15 year old <laughs> he's a confused teenager right. there were yeah. there were really hard like there were moments that just clawed at me when i saw him walk away from something that i knew mm-hmm. he should have reached out for instead like the conversations with his dad and the conversations with his mom that took him yeah. a while to get to there are earlier moments when he doesn't have those conversations and i was like oh it's right it's right there oh okay not now it's not now we're not ready for it yet uh yeah so yes he's annoying yes but uh that's (laughs) that's the bag man that's the bag (laughs) that's the bag quick sidebar question do you think those two female friends he had from school were lesbians I don't know that it matters. It's one of the unresolved things that are just part of the confusion. Sure. I, sure. I think they're definitely friends with each other. Yes. They're close with each other. Yes, they are. Yeah. And I think the point there is he he has these people to bounce ideas off of, but they're not always a voice of reason, which is true of mm-hmm. teenagers. Mm-hmm. They are not sure. always I also, a voice of reason, but sometimes they are helpful and they propel the story forward. Yeah. Yeah. They're not fully within his uh, realm of trust. Right. So, But they do yeah. get him to the desert. So. They do get him to the desert and they do get him drunk. Yes. In the desert. In the desert. Drunk in the desert. Yeah. To- that's that's a rite of passage, I feel like. I assume having not lived near a desert as a teenager. Uh, yeah. It's different. It was different. All right, a pass. You did the drag, so you went around the Sonic, and then you went up and down Main Street, and then you went around the Sonic, and you went. And then, if some you had someone to buy you alcohol, you drank this much of your Route Forty Four from Sonic, and then you topped it off with alcohol. So that makes sense. That's the rite of passage. That West Texas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for bringing the West yeah. Texas perspective. West Texas perspective. I'm. West Texas perspective. I mean, that is El Paso is as West Texas as you can get. Do you know where El Paso is? I do. Okay, excellent. Okay, great. It's on For the Rio Grande. For those of you who don't, it is well done. It's on the Rio Grande, and if you look at Texas, there's that right angle from the Panhandle, and then it has its little arm, and West and El Paso is right on the point of of that. Of that arm. So it's on the Rio Grande and you can look across the Rio Grande into Mexico. You see the lights of Mexico on the other side. And then you leave El Paso and you're in New Mexico. Yeah. So it's this weird like plate, like plate three. There's three things in this tiny town. It's interesting. I have a really long monologue (laughs) 
for my next question. Do you want to do yours first? I feel like they're the do your question first. Well, mine is not really a question, and I feel like neither is yours. And they're in the same. We were really on the same page here, and it had to do with all of the beautiful imagery. Before I get into it, I do have to tell Mm -hmm. you this: there is a movie that's been announced of this book. What? What? Uh huh. There will Tell be a movie. Tell me more. Tell me everything. There is very <laughs> okay. little. So rights were acquired. Mm. Uh, there are famous people, actors, who are um, committed to the movie, but none of their roles have been mm. announced. Um, so there's like mm. four older actors and four younger actors. So you can sort of infer who's going to be whom, but it's not solidified. Give me some names. I know nothing. Uh, Do you remember you're, anybody? You're going to have to okay. Google all of this uh, because there's Damn a lot. It. And I'm going to don't make me butcher that many names it's not okay got it and then the director (laughs) who's assigned who's uh who is writing the screenplay and directing it or maybe Mm. producing and directing this i'm sorry now i no longer remember and i just read this is uh a transgender director and is uh latine and uh has uh, a lot of short short films i almost said short stories short films under their belt <laughs> and um cool. like a recent one that won some awards so uh look amazing. it up amazing but yeah it's gonna happen okay. and it might be Probably. really pretty and That's ex- i was very excited for the yeah. cast i think the most like notable not that other people's names are no, not notable, but I think Eva Longoria was the most recognizable off the bat. Oh, nice. So, whatever. Interesting. That. I could see her being either of the mothers. Yes. That's excellent. Cool. So um, that's exciting. All the, all the yay, I would say. All the yay. But yes, it's all a the very, it, recently, it was announced yesterday. That's awesome. Oh, oh of course, because the book came out on Tuesday. Right. The second book yes. came out. As of recording, you now know that it is Thursday, October 14th. Yes. So it (laughs) just got announced. uh, Yes. In the wake of the, so the second book being released and all of this coming out. I'm looking forward to it. And it's usually the way, like the way is usually a production company will buy up the rights and then the, it'll just languish and sit there. And once names are attached, that is usually a pretty good sign that it's being made. Yes. It's going to be made. Right. It's not just, we're just hanging out with this. It's, it's Mm -hmm. a a Mm -hmm. bigger thing. So that was the only thing I I can tell you. Yeah. That's excellent. I have a tangent, but I'll tell you offline. Okay. You don't, you don't need to go into my tangents again. (laughs) That was last episode. This episode, we're focused. Laser focused. <laughs> we're on the rails, except for this monologue that's coming. <laughs> Take it away. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so you were talking about imagery, and there's a lot of the there's a lot of imagery in this book. A lot of birds, a lot of literature, and I, so I want to talk about the rain, and not just any old rain, Texas rain. I doubt you not. You talk to any Texan, and you like. What what's up with the thunderstorms in Texas? And people be like, oh my god! And then there's a huge monologue, and here it comes. So there is nothing like a Texas thunderstorm. So imagine, close your eyes. Imagine you've been sweating outside or inside all day long. It is hot. Three like three uh, Roman numerals, like hundred degree heat. And it's, you've just had dinner, you go and you sit on the porch because you don't have air conditioning. So it's only moderately cooler outside. 
and you're staring at the biggest unending blue-gray sky. And then out of nowhere, the temperature drops like 10 degrees. The breeze changes, the direction changes. And you're like, oh shit, I know what's up because that's when you know. And Texas is telling you that the show's coming. She's about to put on a show. And then just a few more minutes later, you see these clouds like way in the distance, but they're miles wide and they're miles tall and they're dark gray. And you see the sheet of rain just falling. It's just a sheet. And it always it's always at an angle. Like it always rains in an angle in Texas. <laughs> and and this this is it. It is coming for you. And you keep waiting. And then the lightning comes and you start counting. Because then the thunder comes and you know just how much longer you have to wait until the rain is bearing down on you and it's pounding on the roof and it's blocking out the streetlights and it's rattling the glass in the windows. And sometimes you fall asleep to that, to just like that constant barrage of rain. But if it gets cooler, if you feel the temperature drop yet again, then you know it's going to hail. And you just like, I don't know about any other Texas kid, but I was always out in the hailstorm. I was always running around because it's, I don't know, it's fun. <laughs> it's not like it hurts. <laughs> and it's also still kind of hot. So it feels really good to like run around in this cool rain, in the cool hail. And it's it's like you you feel the power of nature, but you don't fear it. Like a tech a thunderstorm in Texas is powerful, but it's not like this is the might of Mother Nature. And like there's just there's nothing like it. It's just awesome. Like the core definition of awesome. And as quickly or as slowly as the storm rolled in, it rolls back out again. And for a couple of days, no one talks about the drought. So if you have not experienced a Texas thunderstorm, I give it a 10 of 10. <laughs> uh, <laughs> would experience again. Would experience again. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Brought to you by the uh, <laughs> Texas Visitors Bureau. <laughs> Visit Texas, where everything is bigger, even, even the our rain. monologues. Even the rain. <laughs> even the rain. <laughs> yeah, that, that's very nice. I feel like it's a really lovely place to take a little break. Let's take a little rain break. Okay, we are going to take an intermission right here. When we come back, we're going to break down our favorite moment from the book. And discuss our ratings and if this book made us want to get naked. Please enjoy this message from one of our friends in the podcasting world. What is the RPG Concierge? It's an interview show that discusses tabletop role-playing games. This hobby has had a renaissance over the past several years, and odds are you've heard of Dungeons & Dragons, hands down the most iconic of RPGs. If you're curious about what D&D is or other RPGs you've heard of, then check out the RPG Concierge. Are you curious about dipping your toe into this mysterious hobby? Are your friends talking about it, but you feel nervous about joining? Are you afraid of ruining it for everyone else? Well, you're not alone, and as your RPG concierge, it's my duty to make sure that you feel comfortable. Check out our first season, which is entirely dedicated to getting started with role-playing games. Each episode will discuss a different topic with a new guest, be they brand new players discussing their experiences, or veterans doling out advice for all the rookies out there. We'll remove some of the mystery that surrounds this vast and exciting hobby and have fun doing it. So come check us out. Stay 
Sunday's mainly in the plane. And we're back. <laughs> and we're talking. And we're back. <laughs> and we're talking about Aristotle and Dante discovered the secrets of the universe by Benjamin. Oh, I can't even say Benjamin anymore. <laughs> Benjamin Aliris Science, right? Science. Science. Oh, science like science. Yeah, or like signs. Or like signs. We're so white. I'm so sorry. We're so white. I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're too white for this. We are. I am so <laughs> extremely I'm going to claim both white and foreign for this. Uh, yeah. um, Me too. There we go. There we go. Just <laughs> lean into it real hard. So we're talking about uh, this wonderful, wonderful book that mm-hmm. left an imprint on my heart in the most adorable way. Uh, it was so sweet and so good. And I'm so recommending it to many, many people. Mm-hmm. Let's talk compelling moments. Let's do it. I, bef- sorry, before we go into compelling moments, I just had a thought. You know how you always rail against books that have really precocious toddlers and you're like, this isn't real. These children are not real. I want to say, shout out to Legs, the dog. They are not real. She is not a real dog. I want her to be a real dog, but she is. She cannot be a real dog. Too too cool for dog. Well, for being a stray, and then for being the most intuitive stray, and like the doors wide open, and she's not running after a truck or another. She's not run away. Like she loves everyone and is like, oh, I live with you now? Okay. That's not how strays work. That's not how well, desert dogs are. And maybe she wasn't a stray. Maybe she just got lost and was already housebroken. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we've gotten one of those. I've got one of those. <laughs> and already housebroken. But she, like, legs had no issues. Why didn't she have a home already? Is my question. Yeah, we don't. She's too, she was too good. Too good. Too good for this world. All right. Too, there we go. Your precocious child issue is pup related. <laughs> is, is, pup, is my precocious child yeah. issue. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, As for compelling moments, I think the scene where Ari going to beat up the guy that beat up Dante, like it's the climax of the book. I'd say it's definitely third act. And instigates final revelations and all of that but it's it's that moment where ari could go down either path and the people who love him pull him back away from the path that is danger and is jail or gangs or whatever and like he he just knew he had to beat up that guy but he didn't really know why like that it's quintessential uh aristotle in that moment how about you i'm a huge fan of the final kiss I think sure. I, it just I, this is one of the other moments in which I was um, screaming at the book, but in the in the oh. in the best way. I was like, "Do it! Just just do it! Just lean in! You have to lean <laughs> in!" I was like, "There's going to be a moment, and he's going to turn away because he's going to get scared again." I I did not believe in Ari's ability to come to terms with his own feelings, and so. Mm-hmm. Until the very last moment, I was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Um, excellent. That and like that roller coaster of emotions provided for me by the author was truly <laughs> wonderful. And I highly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it it made it my most compelling moment. It was just so it had it had so much tension and i wanted dante to be okay so i was worried that ari was going to do something that was going to be hurtful uh, whether intentionally Mm -hmm. or not and so it kept me on the edge of my seat and then it was sweet and wonderful and so uh it made it still makes me grin like a loon about it also i assume loons green grin so they're ducks they don't ducks i know (laughs) <laughs> uh that well that brings up a really interesting point about this book is that we read as readers are empathetic and we are empathetic to what Dante is going through because his path is more clear to us it's laid out more clearly and then Aristotle's is and we just don't want our narrator to be an asshole yeah just don't do it right i yeah. was really worried that that might be where we were headed and uh, I am very glad it was wrong. <laughs> I'm yeah. very glad it was yeah. wrong. Yeah. So what's your hot take? Um, immediately read this book. Uh, and then uh, mm-hmm. immediately put the other book on hold at the library. Uh, I would like to read it first. <laughs> it's already on my hold <laughs> shelf. But then please also read it. It The story is lovely. The imagery is gorgeous. The messaging is so well handled there are so many topics in there and uh you know more queer stories need to be out in the light and this is a a really gorgeous one so um, onward with you to the library or the independent bookstore to get this one and order the other one yeah uh i do not quote me on this but i want to say that i saw something about them putting out a box set there is a box set yes there is a box set of both books yeah, go forth and buy a box set from your independent bookstore. I I mean, my hot take is the same as yours. Usually when you're reading a stream of consciousness, you kind of story, you're just along for the ride. And you are for the most part here, but uh Aristotle's uh unreliableness and like his whole thought process is confusion at all times, just confused. Like that is very fun to parse apart as a reader. And then it's not a long book. It's fairly short. So it goes, the chapters are like two pages long sometimes. And so like, you can just gobble this book up so quickly. So it's, yes, delightful. Go read. Go put your glossy uh, metallic sticker on the front of the cover of this book. There we go. That's it. Last but not least, as my little one says, uh, (laughs) did this book make you want to get naked? Yes, but only to run into the rain and twirl into the rain like the hippie I am. Otherwise, it's like you just snuggle up and experience this book. Um, Yeah, it's yes and no. Yes in the fun way, no in the sexy way. Right, same. Yeah, I had a very similar experience. There's a scene early on uh, when Ari has uh, two broken legs and a broken arm and he can't bathe himself. And there's a really intimate scene from like a a shared intimacy standpoint not from a sexual standpoint where he had where um dante bathes him and it made me really think about the people in my life including myself who have 
seen me in a vulnerable, naked space. And I don't mean that sexually. I mean that in a, I can't bathe myself and someone needs to help me um, space, which I think is from an emotional standpoint, a completely different intimacy and how that would feel. And so it made me think of that. It made me think of my body and like the the totality of it and the usefulness of it and how other people look at me in that way. I'm not prepared for this. I'm not prepared for that in depth at all. I mean, it does bring up a lot of conversation about ability and needing people and the vulnerability of needing help. Yeah. Well, shit. Now I have to go have a whole revelation. God damn it. Ah! I'm not sorry, but I am sorry no, I I've like pushed you into that uh, thing, but <laughs> I'm not sorry that I brought it up. But yeah, that's I, I thought of that a lot about sort of like his physical ability and how he mm-hmm. conflates that. Oh, I'm sorry. My ring just flew off my finger. Um, <laughs> his physical ability and how he conflates that physical ability with power and and whether mm-hmm. or not there is physical ability and and power dynamic which for he discovers that those are not related that he can be powerful yeah. even if he is not yeah. able to do certain things physically i think that's maybe one of the first moments that i as the reader realized the depth of dante's feelings for aristotle because you don't just bathe your best friend some people might i mean what would you bathe me? If you had three broken limbs and the other option is your parents? Yeah, probably. Sure. I mean, you are sure. much taller than me, yeah. so this would be comedy. But yes. I'd be yes. like one of those blow up. Exactly. Things. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> An air dancer. <laughs> flailing. <laughs> Lots yeah. of flailing. Uh yeah, I think I would do the same for you, but there is like a special kind of intimacy of seeing your friend naked yes. and vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. You're right. <laughs> and on that yeah. bombshell, <laughs> wow. we will see you guys next time. Yeah, we will. So are you, dear audience human, going to pick up this book now that you've heard our review? Let us know in the comments. Have a suggestion for another review? slide on into our dms if you like this adventure in books or updates on our upcoming projects please follow like save subscribe rate review us on instagram at l.skyford on twitch at lskyford and on twitter at skyford l phew i'm sky and i'm ford that's it for this episode we'll see you next time on booklandia where every book is a whole world to explore and we're out <laughs>